podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And we have completed the 2021-2022 Oscar season. And so we are now looking forward and we're going to start talking about the 2023 Oscar season, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. Never too early to start, you know, that's just how you got to do it here. Yep. Um, I think there's some kind of excitement early on as we look at some of the films that are going to be coming out this, this upcoming year and the potential that they have in a way I enjoy the, the kind of lead up to some of these films almost as much as actually seeing the films. Uh, That anticipation is part of the fun, I think. So uh, we have created a little game that we're going to play between the two of us, a sort of like fantasy draft type thing. So we'll explain the the rules of that here in a little bit. But uh, I think that it would behoove us to talk a little bit about this past Oscar ceremony and uh we're going to avoid all the drama that everybody is talking about because that's not why we watch the show so we won't even talk about that but um what i do want to point out is where things ended up uh despite some films getting a ton of nominations they they didn't end up with a uh, very many wins and um, that that is some of them were kind of surprising, to be completely honest. So uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the studios that did very well, uh, those distributors that uh, did did pretty well um, and in kind of where they were prior to the Oscars. Uh, so to start out, going into Oscar night, The Power of the Dog in Dune were the only two films that had uh, double digit nominations. The Power of the Dog had 12 nominations and Dune had 10. The Power of the Dog ended up with one win. Uh, You would have to think that they're pretty disappointed with how that that played out. Um, I think it's really interesting that the only win it got was direction because there's so much that goes into direction and uh, it's not something that the director can just put together a movie by themselves. So the fact that it didn't get any other wins, uh, that's very surprising. I don't, I I haven't looked back, but I don't recall a situation where that was the case, which which I think is pretty interesting. I I saw this and I, I haven't verified that it's true, but I believe that it's true. The last time that a film only won a best director, that was it, was The Graduate in 1967. Yeah. So, pretty rare that that has been the case if if a movie wins best director it's likely to win something else um yeah yeah i mean a bunch of trends got broken this year um and i don't know if uh, the game has just changed a little bit and so we're, we're seeing things differently but with coda winning best picture um they going into the oscars it looked like it, had, it was going to have a very much an uphill battle to try to pick or pick up best picture but it ended up winning all three awards that it was nominated for and uh it i think had nominations been a little bit later 
Uh, they it probably would have even picked up a few other nominations along the way. It just, it, it started to peak after nominations. And uh, so, yeah, it got kind of a weird, weird year um, for Coda and to end up winning this thing. Yeah. And I think if anything, it gives a lot of promise to um, lower budget movies that are playing at festivals who can potentially get picked up by a streaming service seems like that would have been so unlikely you know 10 years ago um so i think that it there is a leveling leveling of the playing field in terms of giving a lot of opportunity to smaller filmmakers yeah i mean in the last three years you have coda and parasite that both won and uh maybe you can even put nomad land in there but i think nomad land they had a little bit bigger budget um, but like Parasite kind of came out of nowhere, um, but Neon picked it up and Neon is all about making smaller budget type films. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we are, we are definitely, we've, we've kind of been talking about this and I think streaming has changed the game quite a bit uh, and, and allowed for some of these smaller films to be recognized. Um, you have companies like neon and a24 that have made it their goal to put out kind of different films that that often are made on a lower budget um and so yeah it it is cool to see to see uh some of these smaller films actually have a shot yeah i mean uh, i i think that uh we'll probably and it's interesting because this year and we'll talk we're going to talk a lot about the 2023 potential Oscars, but there's a lot of big movies. And as I was kind of preparing for this, it felt crowded with a lot of big movies. So what is going to be interesting is going to see where those smaller movies kind of fill in the cracks as the year goes on. And a lot of those are going to be really hard for us to anticipate right now. Uh, But inevitably, we'll probably end up seeing something go to Apple TV or go to Hulu or something that has a lot of uh, a lot of fire behind it and could potentially take it to uh, the Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of big movies, they have big budgets though. Dune was the other uh, big time uh, nominee where they had ten. They ended up winning six. They ended up winning the most out of any film. Um, And maybe that's also a sign that still the big budget films are going to have a chance to pick up a lot of nominations, but also a lot of Oscars. We both have talked previously about the fact that we think that uh, the second part of Dune may clean up in a couple of years here. Um, We may have a chance for that film to potentially uh, match the the record for most wins uh and so that i think that's going to be an interesting narrative as uh we move into the 2024 um oscar season uh and because i i can't imagine that they're just going to say nope we're not we're not going to recognize the second part I, i imagine that it will be more entertaining uh people will connect with it a little bit more having an actual real ending Right. Um, I want to get back to real quick to Dune winning six awards. I mean, that feels like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, like I was actually pretty happy with how much there was a spreading of the wealth in a a certain way of this Oscars. It felt like a lot of movies 
got some recognition in it actually end up winning uh the award and like for example i was pretty shocked that uh belfast ended up winning screenplay uh i i did not suspect that uh Granted, the other options would have spread the wealth even more, I think, in a way. But I like I think that that's a, a good indicator of, you know, that we're not just rewarding the same like three or four movies. And sometimes Oscars where that's the case can kind of be boring, you know, where like the say like a movie just cleans up like that. That's not as fun, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Um, only three movies got multiple wins dune had six with the most coda ended up winning three it won all three of the uh awards that it was nominated for and then surprisingly the eyes of tammy Faye was the only other movie that won multiple awards if you would have went into uh like on nomination day if you told me the eyes of tammy Faye was going to have more wins than the power of the dog uh yeah. or belfast I would have yep. been very, very shocked because those were the two movies we thought had a shot to win Best Picture, and I thought they'd pick up more along the way. But every other um, film that that won an Academy Award only won one uh, one Academy Award. Um, I, I I have a question for you, and I don't want to derail our conversation too much here, but I'm just curious. So we there's a lot of uh, kind of controversy about the way that the Oscars decided to do the show this year yeah do you feel like the changes were worth it or do well, you feel like it was it was a failed you know uh, it, it was ultimately a failure here's the thing that I think I, I think it's a failure I think it was a failure I think that it uh, the fact that they edited in those other awards it cheapened it in a couple of ways number one for those of us that actually really care about the Oscars, we already knew the winners before they were presented. And so um, it, that takes away eight categories of that anticipation that you get when you're watching as they announce all the nominees and they like show them and then they, th that whole thing, it takes that away. And that's eight awards that we didn't get that for. Um, number two, the whole purpose of this was to cut down on time and this year's ceremony was a half an hour longer than last year's ceremony uh so they did not uh meet they, they didn't get that hit right like they did that was they they needed to do something else right. so here uh, there's a couple things they may blame it on the incident that happened and say that that kind of derailed everything and and uh, created problems that made the show run a little bit longer. Just, just to say, I don't even think that added that much more time. Like, I don't I, think it did, and here's why. They said they were cutting off those who were being awarded, but letting presenters go on tangents for God knows how long Kevin yeah. Costner I don't know what the heck he was talking about but he he was talking really really slow yes. and and like gave like an eight minute speech it seemed like I know it wasn't eight minutes but like well, the, I, loved, I loved that uh Jane Campion was like that was very dramatic Kevin <laughs> I, know. I know um so the the fact that they're letting presenters like the Chris Rock shouldn't, all right, now I'm, now we're getting into this, but Chris Rock should not be making jokes as a presenter. 
Like that's they. If you cut that down, if you want him to make jokes, then make him the host. That's all there is to it. Um, You already have three hosts. They're the ones who are there to make jokes. The presenters, you get up there, you say a couple things that are scripted uh, about the category that you are presenting. Because what Chris Rock was doing in that moment had nothing to do with documentary. Had absolutely nothing to do with documentary. It was just them allowing him to showcase his comedy. And that's not what it's about. And uh, one of the things that irritated me the most was when Hamaguchi won for Drive My Car. They tried to cut him off multiple times. But then they let Kevin Costner talk till the end of God knows what. I mean, like, it's that, that irritated me. And they, uh, even with, uh, no, I can't think of his name, the guy who is in White Man Can't Jump. Uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson was like, like delaying the reveal of who won. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was just, that was frustrating. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it felt like, you know, that they, first of all, it felt so ironic in a huge way of how much, the, the, I think the theme for the show was like, uh, like for movie lover like it was like some generic thing and like ultimately it felt like it devalued movies more than it celebrated movies oh 100 it, it made movies about them being a commodity about them being a celebrity thing and really that's not what people who care about the oscars want it to be they want it to be about crafts like the people that are excited about the oscars probably care more about the crafts than they do about who wins best picture because the best picture award is already so figured out by the time that night that moment happens it's more exciting to see who wins those bottom of the 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 ballot award the thing they're pandering to people that don't care (laughs) like that's all there is to it and Mm -hmm. we have entered into an era where they're trying to get those numbers up But the Academy may just need to decide we don't care about being the biggest event on television. We're here to celebrate the best that film has to offer in this given year. And if that if that means that you're going to put us on Hulu or going to put us on uh, some streaming service or YouTube or something like that, um, then so be it. People are still going to watch it but then you don't have to do all this other crap that nobody cares about. And one thing that I was thinking about was if it weren't for the fact that they messed with the order of awards last year uh, and messed up with the way that it ended. Yeah. Last year overall was a great format because they really, really celebrated the craft of filmmaking. I agree. and I really liked the way that they did that. Uh, it's just unfortunate that they had to mess with the order because I think if they hadn't, then they potentially could have done something similar to that this year. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. I mean, they're going to have to rethink a lot of things before next year's uh, ceremony. And um my my hope is that they put all the awards back in that that was a big enough pain in the butt um just getting lashed lashed out on that it well the the other thing that is is dumb about it is 
the, I think that the red carpet is really part of the award ceremony. And so yep. to, to award people ahead of time during that red carpet time period, when people are getting awards, when people are on the red carpet, you know, and it's, I just, I thought, thought that was so frustrating to yeah, see that. Some of that though was pre-recorded. Right, right, right. I knew that. But like the fact that it was, it was, this is what we're focusing on when right. people getting awards. Right, you know? exactly. They could have like, just make the show four hours, have it start a little bit earlier and say, these are the categories being awarded at this time. If you want to watch, great. If you don't, then you can tune in at this time. Right. The only other thing I, I want to say just about the, the show in general, before we talk, we can talk maybe more about studios next and things like that, but yep. uh, is... I think last year's was had about 10 million viewers and this was 16 million. Yep. Um, so 60% increase, which is, is pretty good. Um, it's still low compared to, you know, they said it was like the second lowest of all time or something like that. But, but I mean, things I, are I, changing. Habits are changing. Yeah. And, and also we, we just have to also take into account, this is uh, 2021 was still a year where a lot of people did not go see movies. Yeah. So uh, I think this year will be a better indicator of what it will look like moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's, let's just talk real quick about um, some studio stuff and then we will get into our draft Uh, going into the Oscars. Netflix ended up with 27 nominations. You know how many <laughs> wins they got? Um, is it just the one? One. They got one. I was going to so, say. Talk about being disappointed. I'm sure that yeah. Netflix is not happy with that. Well, and Netflix is, you know, it's, it is too bad. Irishmen, they had the Irishman, and that did not do near as well as they probably wanted it to. And I, did that win any awards? I don't think. Um, I don't know if it did. I, maybe it didn't. Maybe it did not. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's that's interesting. Uh, and then the other big studios that had uh, a lot of nominations: Disney. They've included Searchlight, 20th Century Studios, Hulu, and Onyx Collective in there. Um, they had 24 nominations to start, and they ended up with six uh wins so i mean they did better <laughs> they did better than netflix uh but they have like a lot of different areas that they're pulling from as well um and then uh the last one that had double digits was warner brothers and warner brothers i don't think ended up oh no they won uh they won seven so they actually did the best out of i think for percentage wise um they did pretty pretty well apple ended up one in three out of their six well do dune is six of the seven awards for oh yeah 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 that's right that's right I so it's and then and then the other one is King uh, Richard. King Richard, right. so. so they had a good year they really did and um yeah but it just shows that just because you pick up nominations that doesn't translate to wins um a couple things before we move here um the this was the first year that we had a streamer uh, that, that ended up getting Best Picture. That hadn't happened yet. Uh, we knew it was coming um, as a matter of time. Uh, but I, I would never have predict, predicted that Apple TV Plus was going to be the, the first streamer to end up winning this oh, thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's 
they're like the underdog for sure in terms of the streaming world it's crazy yeah and but i think they're going to change the game it seems like they kind of the way that they campaigned they did a great job for of campaigning for coda i mean just i sat there as it won and as i was starting to get the feeling that it was going to win and i thought i first saw this movie before last year's oscars and i never ever ever would have imagined that it would have go on to win best picture the following year no sundance movie had ever won best picture this is the first sundance movie to win best picture so this is changing Sundance too, I think. I think that it's making Sundance a more, I mean, they had been big on the documentary front, um, but this I think makes them a more legit uh, contender when it comes to some of the bigger awards as well. And uh, there's going to probably be a couple this year that uh, will at least be in the conversation. Um, and one of them was purchased by Apple. Uh, so that, that, you know, that's Apple yeah. kind of knows that. I think that's going to be kind of their grounds. They're going to go out there and they're going to buy films that they, they feel strongly about and they're going to push them. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's kind of what you expect to see. And it's actually, I'm happy that a, a streaming service like Apple is kind of filling a slot there. Um, yeah. I am all about just kind of spreading the wealth. And so that's, that's what I, I am hoping we'll continue to see moving forward. Me too. All right. So let's move into our fantasy uh, Oscars draft here. Uh, would you like to explain the way that we are setting this up? This is kind of a little bit experimental. We're going to see how it rolls this year. Um, and in, it just kind of allowed us to dig in and see what stuff is coming out and what we think is going to be on the radar. Yeah. So we want to kind of, we're, I would say we like to make things competition a lot of the time, at least yeah. I know you do. So yep. um, the way we're going to go about this is this is an Oscar movie draft of the 2023 Oscars. So these are movies that would be coming out in 2022 and what we're going to do is we're going to pick um, movies and people that we think will get nominated for an Oscar. Uh, we'll get a point for every movie that ends up getting or person that ends up getting nominated. And if that nomination, if any of our picks ends up winning, then we'll get five points. Okay, so this is something that honestly, the points don't really matter right now. We're just kind of going to pick them to see what we think based on what we think is going to get nominated. And then um, as we get closer to the Oscars, uh, won't be for a year, we will come back to this and kind of reflect on, okay, well, this is what is kind of on the table and we'll kind of tally up points by then. So there's going to be uh, ultimately six areas where we're going to pick um, movies or people. We'll start, we'll, we'll go in any order. We'll pick uh, up to five movies. Uh, we'll do four actors that can be either male or female supporting or uh, uh, lead. We'll do two screenplays, again, that can be adapted or original, two directors, two cinematographers, and then one studio pick. And the way that that studio pick will work is we will, uh, it will collect all nominations that that studio receives. So we'll get points for every single nomination that an individual or a movie gets 
uh, within that studio, okay? Um, beyond that, uh, I, I might have already mentioned this, but we're, we can go in any order. Uh, again, this is pretty experimental because we haven't done this before. Uh, and uh, there's probably going to be, well, I mean, we, we could end up totally missing and end up not getting that many points, but I imagine, points. <laughs> I, I imagine that we will probably have kind of quite a bit of points by the end of this this uh, year. Okay, so um, did I miss anything? Did I leave anything out before? We I don't think so. Um, there, uh, just full disclosure, as we go along, there may be things that pop up down the line where we're like, oh, didn't think about that. And so we may have to make yes. some adjustments as we go along. But uh, I think that I'm ready to ready to get going. And um, as we, we had a little friendly competition for the Oscars and I ended up uh, winning that competition. Yes. Um, and because I am clearly the Oscar master, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't need the advantage of going first. Okay. Um, wow. I see how it is. <laughs> uh, one, one thing, maybe we should, are we doing this snake? So you'll get one to start and then I'll get two. Yes, we'll do it. Yeah, okay. All right, cool, cool. All right, so with my first pick, this is a movie that I've been excited for, but I am that much more excited for it because there was just news that it had a uh, had a uh, watch or it was early viewing and uh, it has gotten good responses, and that is Babylon. So I'm putting that in for my first pick for movie. And this is a movie directed by Damien Chazelle. Uh, it is about kind of the early days of Hollywood. I think tra uh, kind of traversing the time from the uh, mo before movies had sound. And so it moves from the silent pictures into the talkies. And so that is uh, my first pick. I don't, I, I don't know if there's an official release date yet, but I imagine it will be an end of the year release. If not, I would suspect that this is something that maybe gets limited release and then we'll see early 2023 in theaters. I thought I had seen that they had a release for early January. Um, so that tells me they'll do a, a limited release, which they do quite often for, um, for, for award buzz films i think 1917 uh was the last movie that i remember where it was a big time movie that was a uh, favorite to do well at the oscars and then um they they released it limited at the beginning of the year and then like january 10th or something like that it yeah. came out to the wide wide public so um i think that's a really good pick uh especially on the heels of that news that we just received um that that people seem to really like it and uh we both i think are are fans of damien chazelle and uh we know that he makes good movies and so i think that that is a very solid pick um and so i'm a little sad that it got stolen from me um, <laughs> i am going to with my first pick i am going to go with uh drafting the studio universal pictures um, I, I feel fairly confident about uh, a handful of movies that they are going to be releasing. I'm not going to say them yet because I don't want to accidentally tip something off and uh, create um, an advantage for you. But uh, I really like the studio uh, this year. They didn't do particularly well um, 
this past season. I think they, Cyrano was their uh, main movie, at least uh, in the United States that was released that way. They did some stuff internationally uh, for some studios that uh, I, I think Licorice Pizza and Belfast both were released by Universal nationally, but not here in the United States. Um, yeah. So they don't get credit for that um, because their main release was here in the United States. Okay. So with that out of the way, I am going to go with my second pick for the killer killers of the flower moon, which is the Martin Scorsese film. Um, and it is based upon a nonfiction book uh, about um, native tribe in Oklahoma, I believe, uh, and uh, some murders that went on down there. And to me, this just feels like a, uh, in a way, I feel like it could be uh, sort of in the vein of something like Power of the Dog and the way that it looks um, in kind of the, the aesthetic. Uh, but this could be a year where um, they, they want to reward something that uh, is really lifts up native people. Um, and there's a huge native cast that's a part of this. Uh, this also has Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, if I'm going to continue going on my, my trend that if Leonardo DiCaprio stars in a film, there is a good chance it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I feel good about that. Martin Scorsese, obviously, being attached to this. And it was purchased by the current studio that is uh, uh just one best picture apple tv plus yeah. um and i think it's also going to be released with paramount so um yeah i if, I, if I hadn't had ba babylon i would have picked killers of the flower moon and next i think there's those are to me kind of the two biggest movies in terms of um I, I, there's an argument to be made that there's another but i'm not yep. gonna say <laughs> uh so uh all right um i think that, so this is this is the interesting part because i want to make sure that i approach this right okay i'm going to change it up just a little bit i'm going to go with a director pick next and i'm going to take martin scorsese off the board okay um part of that well, I don't want to describe my strategy too much, <laughs> uh, but I I feel like I I can bet on Martin Scorsese, and uh, I think also this is a this feels like a movie that he has been like kind of working on for a while, and it's been like like he's had a couple different projects. I think he's been wanting to work on with Leonardo DiCaprio, and both of them. I think decided on this one to kind of together and that makes me excited. Obviously I haven't read the book, but I know that this is a, a, a well um, received book, critically acclaimed book. And so I, I think that that adds a lot to it. The cast is really exciting for this movie. And so that I'm just, I'm excited to, to, to see this. So I, I picked Martin Scorsese as my director. And then for my next pick, I'm going to go with, the Fablemans, which is arguably the third yep. 
of the movies that are going to uh, really clean up, I think. Um, I, I mean, we don't really know anything, but... <laughs> it, you could make a strong uh, assessment of that film as being... So, so to, to clarify, The Fablemans is uh, Spielberg's uh, next movie that's coming out this year, and it is apparently uh, pretty autobiographical, and it is also, I think he's collaborating with uh, Tony Kushner, the writer, to uh, bring, I think, his kind of life story uh, to the screen. And it, I think it tackles uh, what his, his young life was uh, like. And we have actors, Paul Dano, playing uh, the role that is supposed to be kind of like his father in this. And then uh, Michelle Williams playing the role that's supposed to be his mother. And uh, I think that this, uh, again, I don't, we don't know a ton about it, but I think just the names involved gives it a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it's a big one. It's a big one. All right. Um, that's a good pick. Uh, okay. So we take, are we taking two directors or one director? Two directors. Okay. I just wanted to uh, kind of verify about that. Um, all right. So with my third pick, I am going to go with uh, Damien Chazelle for Babylon um, as my director. Um, we already kind of talked about <laughs> that, that film and how I think uh, it, he, he's such a, has such a vision for everything that he makes. Uh, that if this, if this film is as big as it, we're anticipating it to be, I would be hard pressed. It'd be be hard pressed to see him not included here, unless they do something crazy like they did with Denis Villeneuve <laughs> this year. Um, but I I feel pretty confident that if the movie is in the best picture conversation, that he's going to be right there in that director conversation. So I am going with um, Damien Ch uh, Chazelle for uh, Babylon. Yep. And and then I'm also going to take my second director already. Um, and I am going with uh, Sam Mendez for Empire of Light. Wow. Okay. Tell me about this. I actually don't know anything about this movie. So um, first of all, Sam Mendez, pretty much everything that Sam Mendez makes looks amazing uh he's a very technical director um and i mean his last movie that he uh put out was 1917 it up until oscar night that was the favorite to win best picture uh he won no no he did not win best director um but he was one of the favorites to potentially win that but this is um the plot isn't exactly known for this but it's described as a love story set in and around a beautiful old cinema on the south coast of england in the 1980s and it stars olivia coleman um and colin firth uh, and I, it just feels like the type of movie that the Oscars are going to eat up. And um, just knowing Sam Mendes' track history, uh, I think he is going to be in play here for Best Director. Well, I am excited for that, especially with Olivia Coleman there, too. I mean, yep. like, she is, 
she is one of those actors now where if she's attached to the project it is a good sign for the movie overall you yeah. know yeah uh, because she makes good decisions she really does yeah so uh that's really exciting i i, I like both those picks I, the i'm a bum to see damien chazelle's gone but you know, <laughs> that's how it goes all right uh i think Let's see here. I think I am going to move into the actors territory right now. And I'm going to go with Margot Robbie as my first actor pick. I feel pretty dang good about her chances of getting nominated um, specifically for Babylon. Uh, she's playing like a Clara Bow character type character. I don't think I, at first, I think it was reported that she was playing Clara Bow, but I saw recently that that's not necessarily the case. She's playing like a, a Clara Bow esque character. Um, but other movies that she's involved in, she is also going to be an asteroid city. Yeah. <clears throat> Wes Anderson movie. And she's going to be in the David O. Russell movie as well. So I just felt like, you know, I feel pretty good about her getting nominated for Babylon, but there's also the potential for at least the David O. Russell movie. I feel doubtful about uh, Wes Anderson uh, having a, a no actor nominated for an Oscar, but you never know. So. Yep, never know. Could just be that that special uh, special situation where it yeah. ends up ends up working out. And then. Um, Yep. I have I have another pick still, right? Yep, yep, you do. And then I'm going to go with another actor and I'm going to take Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. For for uh I mean I guess I don't have to. Oh yeah, 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 but what what is I guess the uh the, the movie is Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. I think, yep. I think that's what he's going to to get now. I don't know if he even has another project this year, but um yeah. he typically doesn't like that's not his he usually does one movie and one yeah. movie comes out and that's kind of that um that's a good pick i mean once again we talk about the fact that uh um Leonardo DiCaprio is usually attached to big time projects uh he's been nominated many times so i uh, you it's hard you'd be hard pressed to say that he isn't going to be in the conversation one thing that i do think is interesting i believe that the role that he is playing in this is actually going to be a supporting role mm -hmm. um originally he was cast in this movie for the main role and they ended up uh casting somebody else in that, that jesse plemons yep they they got jesse plemons for um they switched it like he ended up switching out for that role which i think yeah. is kind of interesting um Jesse Plummins, I had heard, now I can't remember, but Jesse Plummins turned down some other role, some other big role, I think, for of this. So yeah. this must be a big, uh, uh, a juicy role for him then. Yeah. He, he would take that. I, I, I you know, uh, he may come into the, the, into play in the future. I don't know, but I think it'd be exciting to see him have a really standout performance in, in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I I think we both probably would say that he is a really good actor. Um, he's played a lot of kind of strange characters in his time. I think that Power of the Dog is probably one of the more just even keel type characters. Uh, but it, I, I really want to see him in a role where he gets to shine. Uh, yeah. 
I think he, I think he's a pretty nuanced actor. Like I think that he does the little things really, really well. He's not going to probably have a lot of those gigantic scenes by any means, but uh, um, yeah, it's, he, he's a good actor and I think he's going to be around for a while and the industry seems to really, really like him. So yeah. uh, that's, a, a big reason <laughs> to, to kind of buy some stock in, in Jesse Plummins. We're not even, he's not even drafted. We're sitting here talking about him. Like, you know. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's go with, um, I'm trying to look, I want to see kind of what I got left here for my categories as I I'm taking certain things out based upon where we're at. Um, I think I am going to go with, I'm going to do an actor as well. Um, and I'm going to go with Lily Gladstone for her uh, performance in Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, she's, she's an actress who she's been in other stuff, uh, but I think this is going to be an opportunity to uh, really highlight her as a native actress and um, and she's I don't I don't know if she I think it's going to be a supporting uh, performance but um, I th believe at least from what I've heard this is kind of the main female performance in this and uh, I think it has some very emotional ties um, so I, I think this could be a really, really juicy uh, performance. And I think that she has a great chance of being nominated. So I'm going with Lily Gladstone. Cool. I like that pick. That's uh, another, I mean, I think that as we'll go on, we'll get some more interesting things in here, you know? Yep. We'll yep. see more interesting names and stuff. So. Uh, a, a little bit more nuance. Yeah. Um, and then as my kind of wraparound pick here i think i am going to go with um i think i'm gonna do another act actor and i am going with uh naomi aki who's going to be playing uh whitney houston in a biopic called I want to dance with somebody. Um, and it, this just seems like it is tailor-made to be an Oscar type performance, potentially an Oscar yeah. performance. Um, she's not a big name by any means, but she's going to be a star after this year, I think. Yeah. I, that's a really cool pick. I, I had thought about that and uh, I, um, yeah, I think that's smart to do it that way. Uh, biopics are always a, kind of favorite when it comes to nominating actors seems like we always I mean I'd it'd be curious it'd be interesting since the 2000s to see how many actors have won their or been nominated for a role that was playing someone else well I mean this year both of the lead actors winners were um bio biopic type uh roles um last year no, uh, Land really isn't. I mean, that's nope. it's. I think it's based on a real person, but it's not really a biopic. Um, but uh, and either was. Uh, um, but last year was a weird year too. Yeah. Uh, but neither was what's his name for the father. Um, I can't think of his name. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Um, yeah, but in a lot of years, it is. It's a biopic 
type role. So, yeah. All right. You are up. Okay. I think I am going to go with Babylon for screenplay. I mean, I know Babylon's getting a lot of love, but I just feel like that's safe. I'm playing it pretty safe. I'm fine with telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand that. I mean, there's good reason. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like Damien Chazelle has proven himself as a writer in years past. And, and, and especially just with all of his movies, I think that, that he always has an interesting take on the subject and um he is his his writing is allows for very interesting um sequences he's interested in um building sequences between two people that that add tension and or are are extravagant in some ways uh like I, I think, and obviously it's his, it's his vision that goes with that. But I, I think that this has the chance to, to work. I, now, what I wonder is if this is an original screenplay or if it's based on something. I think that uh, from, I can't remember. I think it's a, I think it's an original. Yeah, I think it is. I think uh, that sounds right. Um, but so that, that will be my first pick for this time around. And then my next pick, oh, see, this is where it's getting tough. I think I want to go with a movie and I am going to pick the untitled David O. Russell movie or Canterbury Glass, whichever one you want to go with. Um, because I think this could be David O. Russell's um, kind of resurgence in a way. Uh, this is a really good cast. I think now I don't know how what the the peak of this movie could be, but I think that uh, I could see it reaching the level of like an American Hustle type movie, which had a lot of Oscar love that year, um, especially for the actors. Uh, I don't even remember if it was nominated for best picture, but I do have a, a I think it was feeling about this movie. I don't actually know very much about what the basic synopsis is, but um, I know that he wrote it and he's going to direct it. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good pick. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be in that conversation. So um, very good pick there. I am going to go with a movie and I'm going to kind of double up here and I'm going with Empire of Light um, as a, a, one of my movies. Um, we've already kind of talked about that. I just feel confident with the people that are involved um, that this is going to be a, a interesting movie. And also, I think something that we didn't um, talk about is the fact that the love story is set around an old cinema and the Academy likes to include movies that are about the movies. And so um, I, I think that there is a, a good chance that uh, this movie does end up getting nominated for best picture. Um, the 
I'm, I'm going to take another movie here because uh, we we have to draft, draft five. So I have two so far. And I am going with Rustin, which is a movie directed by George C. Wolf, um, who did uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, and it is being co-written by him. Oh, maybe he's not writing it he's just directing it but dustin lance black uh who wrote milk and jay egger um he he is writing the screenplay here and this is about uh the gay civil rights activist uh Boehner, bayard bayard uh rustin who uh organized the 1963 march on washington and so i feel like this is going to be a big time film um and it is being released by netflix you know who's uh starring in it i do i do uh this is a coleman domingo yeah uh, starring performance a pretty good looking uh supporting cast as well yep it's got uh jeffrey Jeffrey Wright, audra mcdonald um chris rock chris rock is going to be in it yeah <laughs> um and then uh you got some kind of smaller smaller stars as well but yeah it's gonna it's a really good cast uh i think it's probably going to be pretty emotional um and uh just knowing how ma rainey's black bottom was set up uh, i i have a lot of a lot of faith in uh, mr mr wolf to to get this one put together cool i like that pick a lot so that was both of your picks right yep okay um i think we are due for a cinematographer and i think what i want to go with is let me just double check something because i i feel like this is the right move but i don't want to screw it up I'm going to do Emmanuel Lebeski, who uh, is going to do the cinematography for Canterbury Glass or the David O. Russell movie. He is a cinematographer who has made, uh, who's been the uh, cinematographer for Gravity, for The Revenant, for Birdman. Um, And I think that that alone to me is a really good resume. And also, it, I think just knowing David O. Russell's filmmaking style um, and seeing, kind of, especially The Revenant and how that's a, and The Birdman, how that's a very movement of the camera is something that uh, I think works really well with David O. Russell's uh, kind of style. So I, I'm excited for that. And I think that he will make a good pick for this. So um, man- I, I- didn't even think about this for cinematography, but I had forgotten that uh, they were going to be making this together. Um, that was an absolutely excellent pick because uh, it is sure to be good <laughs> cinematography. Um, I am glad to surprise you there. Then I, I wanted to surprise you a little bit. So. Yeah, I, I, I had totally forgotten that that was that was the case. Um, I think I am going oh, to. Do... Oh yeah, you have another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Good don't don't jump on me okay <laughs> um 
So, and then uh, because I've already done that, I think I'm going to go with Greg Frazier as my other cinematographer for Ooh. the bat. That's a good choice. And uh, we've talked about the Batman already on a previous podcast. So I, I, you know, and also because he won this last year, I think that he's made a name for himself. Uh, I think obviously we haven't seen the other movies this year, but I would imagine the Batman will at least stand the test of time enough to be part of the conversation. Um, So I, I feel pretty good about that pick. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. Um, it was on my list as a potential choice. Um, yeah, it, there's something to be said about getting to pick something that's already kind of in the clubhouse. Uh, you already know what you got with that. And yep. um, out of any, yeah, out of any of the aspects of that film, that probably is has the best chance of getting uh, some some love from from the Academy when it comes time time to to pick cinematography so uh, i think that's a really good choice i am going to i think finish out my picture picks uh and do back-to-back picture picks um i'm going to first go with white noise um which is uh based on a a novel which i haven't ever actually read um i know that you had talked about uh that you were going to read it or you had started reading it started it yeah um but this is a noah bombach film um and noah bombach generally makes a pretty good movie uh has a good cast uh with adam driver and jody turner smith and his wife Greta gerwig also has don Cheadle and has andre 3000 that's a big deal um but this is a netflix film as well uh and i just i just think it's going to be in play for best picture um did you have anything you wanted to add there about no i i it was gonna be one of my picks if you didn't take it so um yeah i i'm really excited for this movie uh i'll probably talk about it later if i have the chance so all right good deal um and then i'm going to I follow that up with maybe maybe a little outside the box pick of the film The Sun, which is the follow up uh, film from Florian Zeller, uh, who directed in 2020 the film The Father. Um, And this one stars Hugh Jackman uh, and Vanessa Kirby and Laura Dern. And Anthony Hopkins, and uh, I don't know that I don't know if it's actually connected in any way. Um, but is it part of the family uh, cinematic universe? Where yeah, every... <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Um, but Florian Zeller, I think, was a playwright first, and so uh, these are both the father and this are based upon plays. And I think there is a third one that I don't know what it's called, but uh, I think there is a third film that he is planning on making down oh, the line. The Holy Spirit. yeah yeah maybe that is what it is but um (laughs) anyway this is not a as of right now i don't know what who's going to be distributing this here in the the united states um because they don't have anything (laughs) listed for that uh atx entertainment is releasing it in um 
England, I believe. Uh, but uh, I think that this could be a good pick, especially considering that the father, I think, surprised a lot of people last year. Um, and Florian Zeller has shown that he can write a great script uh, and he put together a really great film in The Father. So uh, I feel good about that. Still have not seen The Father. So I am excited to see that in anticipation of this movie. That would be a good one to watch, you know, right before just to kind of get me. Yeah, yeah maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do kind of a, a dual uh -huh. feature. Cool. All right, uh, I am going to finish out my um, finish out my actors. Okay, so the first one I'm going to go with is Colin Farrell. I think that he has a decent shot at being nominated, uh, but not for After Yang. I think that he would be more likely to be nominated for The Banshees of uh, Inishirin, which is the Martin McDonough movie that's coming out this year. Um, that movie is starring Brandon Gleason, uh, as well. And, uh, Barry Keegan. And, uh, I think that that could potentially be, um, nominated, uh, Colin Farrell obviously is in after Yang, uh, as well. And he is also going to be in a movie called 13 lives. So I am kind of going with, uh, you know, the chance of him being nominated in, in three different movies for three different movies. Uh, besides, I, I feel this sense that we are starting to recognize Colin Farrell's like real talent as an actor. Uh, and I feel like the fact that he has four movies out this year, I didn't even mention the Batman, um, that he has this potential to get nominated for something uh, and if he's not nominated, I think he'll be in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good pick. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I don't have anything bad to say about that. Yeah. Uh, I actually think, uh, what's, what's the 13 one again? Uh, 13, 13 lives. Oh, 13 lives. That's about the hour. Yeah. Um, that to me, that almost feels like the role that he potentially has the best chance to get nominated for at least, uh, from, from my point of view what what did you draft uh after oh you you drafted the batman okay yeah the person or, yeah yeah um but then i have one more acting that i'm gonna do and yep. i'm gonna pick uh i think i'm gonna end up doing adam driver okay. um and with the anticipation that he would get nominated for uh white noise um you know, I think Noah Baumbach and Adam Driver work really well together. I know that they're close friends in real life. And I think that Noah Baumbach like really is a actor's director in that he allows his actors to explore their roles. And he's, I think, embraces, it seems like he would embrace uh, rehearsal. And that's something that with Adam Driver having this theater background, it feels like he could really put together a really great performance from that. And, you know, we're, we're at this point where I think Adam Driver is kind of one of the, I would say, most respected newer actors in the industry right now. I would agree, I would agree with that. And he's at that point where if he is able to extend his, his uh, kind of reputation 
for a couple more years, I think he'll solidify himself, but we're at that kind of moment where he could kind of fall off after this year. I could see that happening. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see. And I love Adam driver as an actor and all that he does. So I'm, I think it will, again, I think it's going to be part of the conversation, regardless of whether it gets nominated, it will be part of the conversation. Yeah. I think there's a strong poss possibility of that. Um, hang on a second. I want to make sure I, and while you pick, I'm going to kind of review what you have up on the board still. And I'll yep. review what I have up on the board just so we're, we're going to over halfway through Rob has two actor positions left. Um, you have one screenplay uh, or both screenplay positions left. Um, and you have uh, two uh, cinematographer left. So that's kind of what you have up on the board. I have two. And I, and I use my studio, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yep. my uh, You have two. I have two movies left. I have one screenplay left. I have one director left and the studio position. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay. Um, I think I am going to close out my actors. Uh, I'm going to go with Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Uh, this feels like a juicy pick uh, and a lead role in a biopic um and uh i think the world started to realize how good coleman domingo was this year um and i think they're ready to he's ready to take that next step and could very very well end up winning best actor um for his role in rustin so i'm going with uh coleman domingo with my first of those and then uh, there's a lot of good stuff left here <laughs> that want to choose something I feel good about. Um, hmm. I think I'm going to go with Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, this is a kind of I mean, he, he's done a couple things here, but Brendan Fraser kind of dropped off the map for a little bit, um, and we didn't see any of Brendan Fraser. Uh, he started to come back. Uh, this is going to be his first starring role that he's had in a long time, um, where it's a Darren Aronofsky film. Uh, we already know that Darren Aronofsky has been able to write uh, a an Academy Award-winning performance role for Natalie Portman in Black Swan. Uh, this is a, about a teacher, I believe, who is extremely obese and uh, kind of that whole experience. Um, and so I think that this is a great opportunity for Brendan Fraser to come back on the scene and the Academy may absolutely love that. So um, going with Brendan Fraser here. In uh, but other than that, I think at the very least, too, um, Darren Aronofsky always makes interesting movies, and this undoubtedly, I'm sure, is an interesting role then. Um, yeah. So that's very exciting. Uh, the Coleman Domingo pick, you know, this is a movie I didn't know anything about, um, 
And so that's, that's really exciting. You know, I, I, I Rustin is now one that I'm going to be kind of looking forward to. All right. Uh, so I am going to, I'm going to wait on the rest of my movies because you don't have any more movies to pick. So I'm just going to hold off. I'm going to pick my last screenplay and then a director. So for screenplay, I am going to go with this. This feels a little risky, but I want to just try it. I'm going to go with Nope for screenplay um i don't feel like super confident <laughs> about it but uh i think that um we know that uh jordan peele has kind of at least established himself as uh this uh, capable of this type of um screenplay to to be recognized and what will set it apart is it is how much this movie has some sort of commentary. And if that commentary plays off as uh, as not being too on the nose or too trite. Um, so I think that that will end up being the determining factor. Again, I feel kind of risky about that, but I kind of wanted to, uh, to change things up a little bit. And then for director, I think I'm gonna have to go with Steven Spielberg. I feel like I've already kind of dealt myself in on Spielberg this year uh, as I'm rewatching his movies and feels kind of wrong to like be doing that and then to not pick him in this case. Uh, but I also just had a lot of faith in him being able to be nominated. It'd be, I mean, it, it is that sort of thing where you kind of want other directors to get recognized, but if it's that high quality, you, you want the best of the best to be recognized. Yeah, um, he's certainly going to be in the conversation. Uh, I there is some there is some talk that this could be his final film. I haven't heard anything solidified on that, but uh, if that narrative starts to play out as we get closer to award season, um, the academy might feel like this is their last chance to just give him everything, and he may end up just cleaning up. So. Um, that I think that is a really good pick. Uh, I, I definitely believe he's going to be in the conversation. Um, did you have two there? Yep, you did your yep. two. Okay. All right. So I have, I have cleared out picture, director, studio, and actors. Um, let's go down and start talking about screenplay. Um, we'll do one screenplay and one cinematography. Um, so screenplay, I am going with Killers of the Flower Moon. I think Killers of the Flower Moon uh, has a really good shot at being adapted and even potentially winning adapted here. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I think we've said a lot about this film already, um, but I think that it is going to kind of carry on there. Um, for the cinematography, I am going to go with Avatar 2. Mm. Um, Avatar, the original Avatar 1 cinematography. Uh, it is a different cinematographer now. 
Um, I, I don't know that he has a ton of stuff, but when it comes down to it, James Cameron is going to be the one kind of in charge there. Um, it is Russell Carpenter is the name of the cinematographer. He did do cinematography for the Titanic. It looks like, um, so, I mean, he's been around for a while. Um, he's done a lot of different films. He's not a household name, but, uh, anytime that James Cameron is making a movie, especially one that we know is going to be of the caliber of the Avatar movies, um, I, I have to have that included. So I'm going with Avatar too. Cool. I like it. All right. Um, I have left my studio pick and two movies, and I think I'm going to do the two movies first. And this is, I'm struggling here, but I think what I'm going to go with is first, I'm going to go with Don't Worry, Darling. Okay. Um, this is a movie that is starring. Uh, now I'm losing her Florence name. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Um, it also has uh, Harry Styles in it, <laughs> um, which is, I think, kind of interesting. I think he actually has a lot of potential as an actor. Um, Chris Pine is in it. Um, it's directed by Olivia Wilde, and Olivia Wilde is also starring in it, too. Um, I think that this is a movie that could get some recognition. Um, I know that people were, were already kind of buzzing about it this year, and I think that it sounds like people are, are ready to kind of take Olivia Wilde to that next tier of directors, and... Um, I'm excited to see kind of what she does with this movie. I, I, I know Booksmart is a totally different movie, but I thought Booksmart was really well done. And, yeah. you know, we've seen how directors have been able to move from comedy into drama very well with directors like, uh, now I'm losing his name, the guy who did Vice and uh, The Big Short. And Adam, Adam McKay. Adam, Adam McKay. So I, I think that that is... Um, uh, maybe another likely situation here. So don't worry, darling, is what I'm going to go with there. And then... Can I, can I say something about Don't Worry, Darling? Yeah, go ahead. Um, don't Worry, Darling is a... It was supposed to be out in 2021, uh, and it got pushed to a fall release, uh, which is good for awards play. But I think the thing that uh, kind of sticks out to me most, this is a Warner Brothers release, and Warner Brothers already had a fairly full slate this year. And so the fact that they wanted to push this back, not just to the spring, like sometimes they'll do, but all the way to this upcoming fall means that they believe that they have something special on their hands. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be interested to see if they're going to do any festival releases for this film because yeah. that that would be i think big if they start to do some festival releases um it's kind of in that that window for stuff like the toronto film festival and some of those uh fall film festivals and so i wouldn't be surprised to see it there um i think that was a good pick a kind of a sneaky pick there yeah and so i'm gonna follow that up with what i would describe as probably having a very outside chance but i am optimistic and that is disappointment boulevard um 
Part of the reason why I am optimistic about this, Ari Aster, who is the director and writer of this, he has made two other movies that are in the horror genre, and that is uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. Both of those movies, I think, are excellently made and excellently conceived and written. Um, this is a movie that I think is getting, is more in the drama realm. It is uh, kind of, I think, like a psychological horror thriller. Um, and what really makes me excited about it is it has probably the biggest cast yet of any um, of his movies. And it's starring Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Patty Lapone is in it, who is not a huge star, but a big name, you know. Yep. Um, Nathan Lane is also in it as well. Um, and it feels like it is going to maybe have some interesting commentary about kind of maybe what our, what our uh, maybe it's the entertainment industry. Uh, I know that it focuses on an entrepreneur and something tells me that it, it might be in some ways a sort of kind of parody or commentary that's similar to Citizen Kane in a way, because it's following this entrepreneur through um, his lifetime, I think. And so that is, that is uh, it's a really interesting sounding movie to me. And I would love for it to pick up a lot of traction throughout the year. Um, so that's that's my last movie pick. Um, Rob, we have, I think, you have your two last picks, one screenplay, one cinematographer, and I have a studio pick. What are you going to go with? I am going to go with, for screenplay, White Noise. Um, Noah Baumbach, I think, is one of the greatest screenwriters of our time. Um, this seems like just a kind of key up to get a adapted screenplay nomination. Um, and uh, I think it's going to happen. Um, it, it just has all the right pieces. So uh, I'm going with white noise for screenplay. Um, that, actually, I thought you were going to do that when you said that there was a pick later. That's what I thought you were going oh, to Oh, yeah. Um, and then I am going to go with uh, Linus Sandgren, who is the cinematographer for uh, Damien Chazelle. Uh, and he is going to be doing uh, La La Land. Um, he, he's done a lot of pretty big pictures, um, but his, his cinematography, and did I say La La Land? I meant uh, Babylon. He's doing cinematography for Babylon. Um, but his cinematography in First Man is some of my favorite cinematography of the last 10 years. Um, and I, I just think that uh, if Babylon is going to be a player, then uh, this is going to be in the conversation. Damien Chazelle oh. makes wonderfully good looking movies and uh, he, he's done this multiple times. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that Linus Sandgren is going to be, be there come, come next March. I feel pretty good about that pick too for you. I mean, like that's uh, that's, that's pretty rock solid in terms of, uh, I mean, just didn't, I mean, La La Land got nominated, I'm pretty sure for cinematography. So yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that, that's exciting. Um, for studio, I'm going to go with Paramount Pictures. 
Paramount has, uh, I think Babylon is what they are going to be releasing this year. And then as well, um, I believe that Don't Worry, no, no, Don't Worry Darling was uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, I want to say they're that also they're also doing a co-release of I think they're going to handle the um, theatrical release for Killers of Flower Moon. That could be what I I've seen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel good about Paramount having some and they, they've generally had a pretty good history at the Oscars Paramount has. Um, so that's that's why I ended up picking it. OK, so. Just a, a quick review for movies. Rob got Killers of the Flower Moon, Empire of Light, Rustin, White Noise, The Sun. For actors, he got Lily Gladstone, Naomi Aki, Coleman Domingo, Brennan Fraser. Uh, for screenplay, he got Killers of the Flower Moon, White Noise. For directors, he got uh, Damien Chazelle, Sam Mendes. For cinematography, he got the director of Avatar, or the cinematographer for Avatar 2, which whose name I'm missing. Uh, Linus Sandgren for Babylon, and then his studio is Universal. Uh, for me, movies, I had Babylon, The Fablemans, David O. Russell, Canterbury, Glass, uh, Don't Worry Darling, Disappointment Boulevard, actors, Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Colin Farrell, Adam Driver. Screenplay, I had Babylon and Nope. For directors, I had Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. For cinematography, I had Emmanuel Lubezki and Greg Fraser. And for studio, I had Paramount Pictures. Um, I do want to, now that we uh, have finished this and I didn't want to tip anything off, but my strategy going into this was I wanted to go get my studio that I wanted first because I see Universal Pictures as having... Uh, a really good chance of um, getting some some films in. Number one, they got the Fablemans. Um, and so rather than going through and drafting a bunch of Fableman stuff, I decided to snag uh, Universal there. They also have another movie that I think is going to get nominated for Best Picture. And you didn't touch it, um, it but so we haven't even talked about it yet. And it is the film she said, uh, which is uh, it's based on a book or it's based on a, yeah, it is a book. It's a book by Jody Cantor and Megan Toey or Toey um, who were journalists for the New York times. And they exposed the Harvey Weinstein uh, abuse and sex stuff. Um, and it stars Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. Mm -hmm. um, and I think both of them have a chance of getting in. Uh, I, I think that it probably has a chance to get in for screenplay. Um, and Maria Schrader, who she just had a movie that came out this year. Um, what is the name of the movie now? I can't, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having my mind is going blank. I'm your man, uh, which was the, which was Germany's uh, submission for best international film, but didn't get it. Um, I just, I, this, this feels in the same vein as uh, Spotlight. It feels in the same vein as The Post. Um, and it just, it, it feels like a, the sort of movie that I uh, has, great potential to be to be uh 
very, very good. Um, in addition, I it's only international distribution, so I don't know if we're, we're going to count this, but 13 Lives is also uh, being released under Universal, um, and uh, that's a Ron Howard movie too. So Ron yeah. Howard has a uh, track history of... Uh, being very very good with the Oscars he kind of has some some hits and misses but uh that's another reason why I kind of feel good about Colin Farrell potentially getting a nomination here um we didn't talk about Viggo Mortensen uh who's also in that film and Joel Edgerton and he had a good do a good trio there uh who all all of them could have potential to get in there are there are countless big projects that are coming out this year. Uh, we could potentially see, well, we, I mean, I, I don't know about the uh, Napoleon movie from uh, now. We're, we're struggling with names today. Yeah, what happens when you work all day and then. Uh... <laughs> but but uh, we could see James Cameron nominated. We could see Scorsese nominated. We could see Spielberg nominated. We could see. Sam Mendes nominated Scorsese. Uh, we could see uh, David Fincher. We didn't talk about The Killer. The Killer could get uh, some- Well, I just saw that The Killer finished uh, filming today. So now they're going to go into post-production. They're going to get all that done. So I think there's a good chance that The Killer comes out this year. Um, and if I knew with 100% certainty that that was going to be out this year, that probably would have been my pick in a few areas. Uh, I would have I put the Napoleon movie- that's Ridley Scott, by the way. Yeah, I would have uh, just, but I, I don't think that, that that started production, I think, in January or February. So I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because that's going to be a big player next year if, it, yeah. if uh, it does come out because it has Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Uh, and that's surely going to be a, a uh, best actor type role has Vanessa Kirby in it um mm -hmm. yeah I I think that's a big time big time movie as well um yeah so I feel good about this um I'm excited it's going to be the sort of thing that we're kind of probably kind of forget about a little bit as the year goes on and then we'll remind ourselves I I think it might be worthwhile to maybe revisit this come August or September and then again come November December and then one more time before the Oscars, just so that way yep. we can kind of reflect on, oh, this is how the things are playing out this year. And uh, it will make things a little bit more interesting. Yeah, uh, it, maybe when we do some checkpoints where we kind of make some predictions about what we think are gonna get nominated for best picture, it might be a good time to also check in on this and <laughs> see, see how things are going, um, especially as we get into some of those early uh, awards and start to see maybe some of these people showing up mm -hmm. um and then of course there may be some situations where it's like oh that movie didn't come out this year looks like it got pushed back yep i think honestly though i feel like we did a pretty good job of picking things that seem like they're going to be coming out yep. um so unless something funky goes on uh these all should be should be out this year yeah well you have anything else to say I, I'm just excited to move forward. I'm excited. I um, one thing I do want to announce, uh, we have discussed doing this year. So last year was kind of the year of the musical. Um, this year, we decided to do a slightly different 
uh, marathon to kind of represent directors. Um, and last year we did our Wes Anderson one. He has a giant catalog. Um, but there are a lot of movies this year that are coming out by directors that we find to be very interesting, um, but they don't have huge catalogs. And so rather than uh, worrying about um, trying to find somebody that has a bigger catalog so we can have a longer marathon, we decided we're going to focus on those directors that have kind of been known as the modern horror directors. And so there are four directors that all are going to be releasing their third film uh, this year. Um, and so the first one that we are going to be taking a look at is Robert Eggers. Um, he has the Northman that's coming out uh, at the end of April. And so we'll do The Witch and The Lighthouse um, leading up to that. Uh, I think in, the next one is going to be Alex Garland. Um, who is releasing a film called Men, uh, and that comes out, I think, early summer. Um, and before that, we'll end up watching Ex Machina and uh, Annihilation, which I haven't, so I haven't seen The Lighthouse or Annihilation, um, so it'll be fun to, to get those in. And then later this summer, we have Jordan Peele, releasing nope and he's clearly the biggest name out of this this group but still uh this is only his third film so we'll we'll watch get out and uh revisit us leading up to that and then we've already talked about one of the other films that we're we're looking forward to here and that is disappointment boulevard by ari aster and uh where we will revisit Ari Aster's films, uh, which I haven't seen either of. Um, so I, I'm excited to see Hereditary and Midsummer. I am so pumped for this marathon of watching all these movies again. And I'm particularly excited to see what you think of um, Hereditary and Midsummer. Uh, Lighthouse and Annihilation are going to be a wild ride for us. It's gonna <laughs> be fun. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think, will be a fun thing at the end of all of this to kind of maybe pick who we think is like the best out of this group or what what uh, trio of movies we we think is the best kind of package that they've put yeah. together. So um, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited for it. Um, so in the coming weeks, be looking out for those those first reviews. Uh, I know this is a little bit longer show, but we had a lot of fun um, and I can't wait for the year 2022 and what 2022 has in store for us we've already got some some good movies that we've seen and so uh if the rest of the year is anything like what we've already seen we're in for a great year i agree till next time have a great week see you